What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, before we go any further, I just want to take a moment to publicly acknowledge and thank the Miami Dolphins for such a thoughtful, generous birthday gift. Um, Their performance on my birthday Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens was more than I ever could have hoped for. And I just want to sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank the entire Miami Dolphins organization for uh, such a such a fantastic display of football ineptitude on uh, on my birthday. I wish I had one of those noisemakers to blow into. Just, you know, I mean, that's a sounds. pretty good. I think I think your sound effect. I think your sound effect is 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 more than enough in this situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're we're both back on the program together. It feels like it's been a long time since we actually managed to make it onto the podcast together. You've you've done a great job with some of these solo shows as our as our schedules haven't quite lined up a bit uh recently, but luckily we were able to to connect and here we are to recap this fantastic game of football between the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. Look, I don't I don't know what there is to say. It's a, it was a it was a Thursday night, so it was a short week. Dolphins traveling to take on the Ravens. It it was a game where we found out definitively that Matt Moore is not the savior that everybody wanted to think he was going to be. Uh the problem for this Miami Dolphins team, at least offensively, really is on that offensive line, and it was just putrid uh, on Thursday night. the The defense uh, also had its struggles Thursday night, and the and the Ravens uh, put up 295 total yards, which doesn't sound terrible, but I mean, you know, they gave up 174 yards on the ground uh, to a Baltimore Ravens team that. Is they had minimal success running the ball, so this was, this was a tough situation. It was just an ugly game, and I mean the biggest the biggest takeaway from this game is look, the Dolphins came out flat. This is the third time this season that they've played a complete game like this. Uh, all three of their losses, they have just looked absolutely terrible. Um, at least on the offensive side of the ball, and that was again the case here. Just complete ineptitude. Uh, from this offense, and and Matt Moore was certainly not the answer, and his stint as the Miami Dolphins starter was short-lived because it sounds like Jay Cutler is going to be back for the Oakland game, uh, despite the fact that he's going to have a couple of cracked ribs. He's ready to play. He was ready to play Thursday night. Coach Gay said, no, Matt Moore is going to get his shot. We're going to let you heal on this short week. Uh, it happened, and uh, Matt Moore threw two pick sixes. So... The Matt Moore era is over. I, I don't think the Dolphin fans in Baltimore were that, that traveled for the game were chanting, we want fails, we want fails. I don't think I heard that chant, but maybe we'll hear it Sunday night when the Dolphins return home to take on the Oakland Raiders. But Brain, this was just a this was just a mess. Yeah, well this was just this was one of those Dennis Green games. You know, they they were who we thought they were. 
you know, we've been saying it throughout. I mean, we're almost halfway through the season now. And, you know, still at this point, the Dolphins have a winning record and right in the thick of the playoff race. But they're not very good. They're just a very middle of the road team. They are really just an athlete. They might even be bad. Yeah, I mean, they 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 could have legitimately lost uh, every game that they've played this every year. single game. The the only game that they seemed to be in control of for the majority of the game was the Tennessee game, and even that game, uh, you know, really could have gone either way. It's but that's one of those now they. Go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and I mean, and now they've had three games where they've been completely blown out. They're four and three, but they have a point differential of negative sixty. Which, without looking it up off the top of my head, I, I feel like it's got to be like bottom five in the league. It's it's never been done before that a team at week eight has had a point differential that bad and had a winning record. Where are they in in a total point differential as far as their why ranking? Don't you, why don't you riff for a little bit and I'll have the producer look it up. Yeah, I mean, they, look, they, we've talked about how this team has had a knack for winning close games. And that's huge in this league where the majority of the games do tend to come down to final position. The Dolphins have... They have enough players that can make big plays at a given time to where they can find ways to win these close games. The problem is that too many times they're absolutely and you're not going to continue to win these one score games at the clip that they've won them at. They've, they've won 12 in a row. It's a statistical anomaly. It's just, it's not sustainable. And you've got a blown team and they're getting blown out by and some like also gone out by the jets, but I mean, the saints appear to be a good team. Uh, I mean, the Ravens are still a below 500 team and the Jets are a below 500 team. And these are two of the three teams that have blown them out. Uh, you look at the schedule and through the first seven games, five of the seven games have been against teams with a losing record. And you're at four and three and the schedule's only getting more difficult. Um, it's just, look. Could they could they still find themselves as a playoff team? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I I think they're closer to a seven and nine team at this point than they are to a nine and seven team. Although the record might not suggest it. Um, the bottom line is, regardless of how this team ends up finishing this year, and and it's true, like you know, they could put some things together. The O line could gel, and they could. You know, they could kind of find themselves. That's what happened last year. But, you know, last year they kind of figured it out the sixth game of the season. They had this this great turnaround because they got healthy. 
you know, they're, we're seven games in and they've been pretty healthy, at least on the offensive line. And they really, I mean, they, they look bad and I mean, getting Devonte Parker will help, but unless this team can run the ball, they're going to struggle to score points. Um, either, either they're going to run the ball or they need the O-line to have great protection and they need to be going up against a team that really, you know, struggles in the secondary. And there are only a handful of those teams that that's going to happen against. And for this team to take the next step to be anything more than a mediocre team, they're going to need to be able to do one of two things. They're either going to be they're either going to need to be able to run the ball effectively against a good defense that knows that they're going to run the ball, or they need to have an elite passing game. They're not going to have an elite passing game because they do not have an elite quarterback. Even if Ryan Tannehill was there, I don't believe that they. this is an elite passing team. This is a team that can only thrive on being a power running team. But they've struggled to run the ball. They've struggled to to block, to create holes for Jay Ajayi. And, you know, everything that they do offensively is off of that. And if they cannot run the ball successfully, they're putting mediocre, well, a mediocre quarterback in Ryan Tannehill but Tannehill's not there. So now you're talking below mediocre quarterbacks in Jay Cutler and Matt Moore, and you're putting them in situations on second and long, third and long, where they have to throw, the defense knows they have to throw, and the O-line is having trouble blocking for them. It's just a recipe for disaster. And and Adam Gase is being criticized for you know, conservative play calling and it's deserved. But part of it is because he's out there. He's trying to protect his below average quarterbacks from losing the game by, you know, having them go out there and try to sling it. And, you know, while the, while their heads are getting knocked off because the O line can't block for them, they don't have, a guy that they can throw the ball downfield to that even when he's covered can make a catch. That's where Devontae Parker comes in. And there's just – and then – so so the, the option is to throw these short passes, these screen passes, but everybody knows they're, com- they're coming. So that's not working either. There's literally nothing that they can do on offense. And then the defense gets tired. Because they're on the field the whole game. And it, and it's not even so much time of possession. Because the time of possession really wasn't that bad in this game. At least in the first half, it was, it was relatively even. But it's also, it's demoralizing. Because it's taking the defense, everything that they have to keep their team in the game. And the offense gives them nothing. And they know that... The, they're one mistake away from giving up a big play and the game being over. And that's basically what happened in the, you know, when, when Baltimore scores that touchdown towards the end of the first half to make it 20 to nothing, 
the game was over. And I know that, you know, people were hanging on to the shred of hope that similar to the Falcons game where they were down 17, they would come out in the second half and come back. But, you know, I said it here on the show in the preview show, and it was, this is not a team that you can afford to fall behind by two touchdowns against because the defense is too good. You need to to be balanced. You cannot afford to get one dimensional. And if that one dimension is the passing game, that's where Baltimore's defense is great. They That's their strength is getting after the passer, uh, covering downfield, forcing turnovers. And that's exactly what happened. And especially when you do it with Matt Moore as your quarterback, who's a game manager, he's not a guy that you should be relying on to to single-handedly carry you back into the game. This was just, this was a bad formula. Uh, you knew that you needed to run the ball to have any kind of chance, and they just weren't able to do it. And once this was a 20 to nothing game, it, it was over. Yeah, you said that in the preview show. You said once this Dolphins team went down two touchdowns to the Ravens, they were going to have a hard time coming back. And, well... That was certainly the case. Uh, to go back to the point differential question, Brain, I have an answer. There are four teams with a worse point differential than the Miami Dolphins. Do you care to take a guess who these teams are? I'm going to guess they're the worst teams in the league. So, I mean, obviously, it's going to be Cleveland. Yep, Cleveland is one at negative 83. San, San Francisco. San Francisco was another one at negative 86. I'm going to guess the Colts. The Colts have the worst point differential, negative 104. There's one and more. This might, this one might be a little tricky, but I think you'll get it. I, I think maybe Tampa? No, not Tampa. Uh, maybe. Tampa has a worse record than this team that I'm, that I'm looking at. Maybe the Jets? Not the Jets. The Jaguars. Not the Jaguars. No, the Jaguars are plus 73. Oh, I, I don't know. At negative 72, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Ah, okay. And the Cardinals are at three and four. San Francisco and Cleveland are both at 0 and 8. And uh, Indianapolis is at 2 and 6. So then there's the Dolphins at negative 60 with a 4 and 3 record. So you tell me what the outlier is. What do you mean? The outlier, the outlier is the Dolphins. Well, yeah, the outlier is the Dolphins because they win all their games by less than a touchdown. Yeah, so I mean, and and we talked. One of the things is we talk about, and I think we we talked about it when we did our season preview show. We said there are so many teams in the NFL that are all about the same, and the difference, you know, between nine and seven and six and ten, a lot of times is just. That ability to eke out that last, you know, that last little win. I mean, and you look at a team like the Browns. Sometimes it's not even an ability. Sometimes it's just. Sometimes it's just luck. Right. Sometimes the other team missing a field goal. I mean, you look at the Browns. The Browns have lost some close games this season that they were right in until the end. But they haven't figured out a way to win those games. Somehow the Dolphins managed to win those games. And, uh, you know, in the games that they're not going to manage to win. They get destroyed. The thing that, you know, going back to your statement about how the Dolphins need to run the ball, the problem, the thing that's so worrying is that you had a team like the Jets and a team like the Ravens. These are not like vaunted run defenses. 
but the they problem figured out, is, they figured is out that, that the Dolphins, you know, the, like, people know when the Dolphins come in that they're going to try to run the ball, and that's how the Dolphins are going to try to win. So all you have to do is stack the box and make so, the make the Dolphins beat you with your quarterback, and they're not going to be. And well, at least they've proven that thus far, if you can stop the Dolphins running the ball, they're not going to beat you through the air. Right, and the problem is twofold. The problem is, I mean, one, they're not run blocking well, but two, they're not throwing the ball downfield, so the defense doesn't need to respect the Dolphins' downfield passing attack. So those linebackers come up, those safeties come up, and that's that's why these teams are stacking the box. And this brings me to the problem that I see with this team, I mean, there's there's a litany of problems, but fundamentally, the problem with this offense is that they're trying to be this balanced, high-scoring offense. They've, you know, we talked about, you know, they brought in Julius Thomas to be the pass-catching tight end that they missed. Uh, they brought in... You know, they made sure to re-sign Kenny Stills. They've integrated Devontae Parker more into the offense. So you've got most of the offense coming out of single back, three wide receivers, and your tight end is a pass-catching tight end. But you want to be a power-running team. But you haven't put the personnel out there to be a power-running team. And then when the opposing team knows that in spite of your personnel, you want to be a power running team, you keep putting yourself at a disadvantage because if you want to be a power running team, then get rid of Julius Thomas. Or if you want, you know, keep Julius Thomas at one tight end, put Fasano at the other tight end. I'm just throw it out there that I'm fine with getting rid of Julius Thomas under any circumstance. The point is... You want to be a power running team? Do what Baltimore did in the second half of that game. Because in the second half of that game, with Joe Flacco out and up by 20 points, and then eventually 26 and 33 and 40, Baltimore, you had no doubt as to what Baltimore wanted to do. They were going to run the ball because they were in, in no danger of losing the game so long as they didn't turn the ball over and they weren't going to put the game in Ryan Mallett's hands. They were going to put, they were going to run the ball and this was not a good run offense. I mean, it's, it's been an okay rushing offense, but you know what they did? They put two tight ends out there. They put in a fullback. They said, Hey, we're running the ball. You know, we're running the ball and they ran it anyway. And they ran it successfully. Because at the end of the day, Baltimore said, we don't, we're not trying to fool anybody. We're going to line right up against you and we're going to play smash mouth physical football. And that is what it takes to be a power running team. It, it takes a, com- a real commitment to, to having that as your identity to not say, well, yeah, we want to run the ball, but we want to try to get cute and we got to keep you off balance. Because that's everything that the Dolphins are trying to do is they're trying to keep, you know, defenses off balance. 
by saying, oh, look, you got to respect Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, and you got to respect Julius Thomas. So having these guys out there, that's going to keep the secondary honest. But really, we just want to run the ball. It's not working. You're not fooling anybody. Every single person, every single team, every single broadcaster, every single expert knows that the Dolphins need to run the ball. So if you need to run the ball, stop trying to fool everybody. Get a fullback, get a couple of tight ends, and run the damn ball. This is a team that could really use a Rob Conrad back there. Well, Rob Conrad, I mean, more of a pass-catching fullback. What you need is, you need like a a Moose Johnston. Oh. You need a... Ironhead Hayward? Who's the guy uh, that was, for all those years... He 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 was like Ladanian Tomlinson's fullback. Oh, uh, um, he's like the best fullback. Like everywhere he went, he was like the most underrated player because he was just like the fullback. He never get a carry. He never catch the ball, but he's the best run blocking fullback. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about, but the name escapes me at the moment. Uh, I think it's your your turn to riff while I while I look this up. Well, okay. Well, here's. We're going we're gonna to move on from the Dolphins' ineffective offense and talk about the other sort of big story that, as we record this on, on Monday, still remains to be seen. And that was the uh, second quarter hit uh, by Kiko Alonso on Joe Flacco. It was a third and ten. The Ravens were driving. Flacco rolls out, was looking, dropped back to pass, was looking, 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 couldn't find anybody, decides to run, and is running for this first down. And as he's about to hit the 10-yard mark, he he, he slides very late. And as he, he slides, giving up, technically giving up his body, Kiko Alonso flies in and, and hits him uh pretty hard contact to the head uh Flacco's helmet goes flying off he's he's very clearly concussed uh, and we get a 15 yard penalty on Kiko Alonso for the personal foul and this created this question about whether or not Kiko Alonso was going to be suspended for this hit and as of now he has not yet been suspended and I think my personal opinion on this is that Alonso should not be suspended. It, this is one of those things where I certainly understand the need to protect the quarterback. And I certainly understand that when a quarterback goes down into a slide feet first, that he's giving himself up and you can't hit him. But when a guy goes down that late, I mean, he goes down to slide, I mean, less than a second before Kiko Alonso is launching himself at him to make the tackle. And the way this game is played, you you know, the way Flacco was running on this play, he was clearly going to try to get this first down. He was not just trying to give up his body. He was trying to get the first down. And Kiko Alonso, being a, a good football player, a smart football player, is doing everything that he can to prevent Baltimore from picking up the first down. So when Flacco makes this decision to slide really late... What is he supposed to do in that situation? He's going in for the hit. Basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's going in to make that hit at the same moment 
Flacco is going down into his slide. So it's not like a situation where Flacco slid and then two seconds later, Alonzo came in and hit him. It was a situation where essentially they were both making their move at the same time. And the contact happened and it was unfortunate, but it's football. It's a physical game. I don't know what what else Alonzo is supposed to do in that situation. Um, there's there's a lot of rules, and a lot of people would say that the rules of this game are really slanted to sort of favor the offense. And this was this was a situation where that was exactly the case. Um, so I I don't know, Brain. I I am hoping well, so you, you found- don't even think it should have been a penalty. Well, I mean. It's not that I don't think it should have been a penalty, although I, I will certainly say that the referees in this game really had a problem that they didn't also call a personal foul on anybody from Baltimore in the aftermath of that play. I, you know, I think there was a lot of a lot of the physicality in this game, a lot of off the ball nonsense that the Dolphins ended up being punished for. But Baltimore certainly uh, had their fair share of stuff going on in this game as well, but the referees didn't call it. I'm not complaining about the refs. It's just, that's just is what it is. I mean, I guess you could say it's a penalty because, you know, the fact of the matter is the guy's, the guy slid and, and he got hit. I just don't think, like, I think you, you called the penalty. If you look at the, what the situation is, how can you suspend a guy for that, for making a football play? Well, I, I think the problem isn't that he got hit. The problem is that he got hit directly in the head. And I get that it's a, it's a bang-bang play. Flacco is a notoriously bad slider, and this was a late slide. I don't think – I don't think Alonzo should be suspended, but – I absolutely think it should have been a penalty, and I absolutely think that he should be fined. I think the climate of the of the league and head injuries, uh, you like, they just need to come down on him for that. Um, I'm, I don't think it was a dirty hit, and that's why I don't think he should be suspended. But I think you need to have you need to use greater discretion when going in for that hit, not to be hitting him directly in the head when he's sliding. And I get it. Like, you know, you, you're, you're targeting one area of the body and then he starts to go down for a slide and all of a sudden his head is there. Uh, but there was, there was zero let up and it was directly at his head. Um, I just think, I don't, like I said, I don't think it was a dirty hit. I don't think he did it on purpose. If he did it on purpose and it was a dirty hit, I'd be saying that he should be suspended. But I would not be surprised to see a fine. Uh, and I think that, you know, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it should be like some outlandish fine and it's not like he's some repeat offender, but I think there needs to be, uh, you know, at least some sort of substantial punishment because because look, I mean, this is one of the things that they're trying to clean up is they're trying to protect players from head injuries. And so when you get a big time shot like that and then a guy goes out of the game because he's in the concussion protocol after that hit, I think you've got to find him. All right. Oh, by the way, Lorenzo Neal. Ah, uh, Lorenzo Neal. Yes. Okay. Yep. A fantastic player. 
That's one of those, one of those underappreciated guys. The Dolphins need a Lorenzo Neal. You know what we could use? At least on those short yardage plays. You know, when we get into like a third and one or a fourth and one. Lusaka Polite. Oh, oh, there's a name. There's a blast from the past. I like it. I like it, brain. <laughs> Lusaka Polite. Well, uh, listen, I think at the end of the day, this is, this is the beauty part of this. Dolphins had a terrible performance. It looked awful against Baltimore. But at the end of the day, despite losing 40 to nothing, it's one game. You know, as ugly as it was, it's one loss. And they remain four and three. And they have a big home game this weekend, Sunday night. The second of three consecutive nationally televised primetime Miami Dolphin games. God, is that a mistake? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty bad decision by the National Football League, but hey, you know, it's all good because <laughs> we, you know, listen, some people don't live in the local market and don't have Sunday ticket, so this is their opportunity to watch the Dolphins in the comfort of their home. So, you know. Why would anybody want to do that? I don't know, but it's what I do every week. I've got the Sunday ticket and I'm, I live out of the market nowadays, um, so that's how I got to watch it, but I watch the Dolphins at home and it's... You know, it's rarely fun, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. This is what we do. This is what we do. We Being a Dolphin fan, how, do, how would you describe it in two words? Rarely fun. Rarely fun, you know? I mean, and, and on top of it, it's the same old Dolphins every year. And it's- amazingly, it seems to be every time the Dolphins think that they're good – it, it's always the Ravens that always. send us crashing down to earth. Yep. It, so you know, they- uh, you know, in, in 2008 or whatever, when we made the playoffs, you know, on that miraculous run, we get to the playoffs and it was the Ravens season. Uh, uh, even be- actually before we even started that run that year, it was a loss to the Ravens. That that made us think that the season was over before we had that Patriots game where we shocked the world with a wildcat. And then, you know, last year when we had won seven, what was it, seven in a row? Yeah, when we went, yeah, they had won uh, six consecutive. They had won then, six in a row. And then it was the game against Baltimore and we're like, all right, well, we're, this is the game where we're going to find out if we're for real. And the thing is, it's never even like it, like that wasn't even a good Baltimore team last year. No. And they and, stomped us 38, six. And this wasn't a good Baltimore team and they had their entire team injured. Yeah. And, and they, we still couldn't beat them. It's a, it's a, one of these days. This it is just really gonna be one is, of those things. It really is a culture thing. And it comes down to, Look, the Ravens don't need to be a good team, but they are still a physically imposing team. And the Dolphins are trying to be a physically imposing team. They're just not there. And it's so obvious every time they go up against a team that is a physical But you know what? A, a physically imposing team. But the thing is while they're not there physically, right now they are there in the record department, and they're currently tied for the sixth seed in the AFC playoff picture. And, you know, regardless of what 
what you think, as no matter how bad they've been in those games, if they continue this season, listen, if they go four and three in their next seven games and find themselves, uh, let's see, that would be eight and six, eight and six. coming into the last couple weeks of the season, and all those all six losses are shutouts, and all eight wins are victories by less than a touchdown. It doesn't matter. And they find themselves in that position. And this, I don't know. It's just what what's the end game? Well, I listen, I think I don't I think we it's like what we said at the beginning of the year. As soon as Tannehill went out, this season was you know, more or less that was it. I think the problem that I have with this team and and look, obviously Look, they they went at it to try to win now, so they got it. They kind of have no choice but to try to win now. I mean, they're four and three. If they if they were, you know, if they were one and six, you'd be saying, you know, all right, let's just trade everybody and and get draft picks. That's obviously not the direction that they want to go in. The problem is when you see a game like this, and you see, look, they're four and three, but you see the way that they're playing. And like, what is the goal of this team? Not just this year, but next year. Like, like the goal needs to be to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think. That, you, I think that. How do you get there? Well, and, obviously, and, you don't get there see, this season. But when you see this, you realize they're not anywhere close. Yeah, they're really they're not. And if you're not anywhere close, you need to stop. You need to take a step back and say, you know, maybe we need to not try so hard to win now organizationally. I'm not saying on a week to week basis. Obviously, you know, the players need to play their asses off and work their asses off every day of every week to try to win football games every single week. And the coaches need to work their asses off to prepare these guys to try to win every week. And you you want them to strive to be the best that they could be. The problem is, is that when the best you can be is nine and seven or 10 and six and still not like, and when, and by being nine and seven or 10 and six, you're not even like an elite nine and seven or 10 and six, like a 10 and six team that underachieved. You have to overachieve to get to 10 and six. You have no real chance of competing right. for a title. That brings me to some, a press conference that Adam Gase had this week where he criticized players on his team for not doing the work that they need to do to compete, for apparently not having a deep enough love for this game that they're willing to do that, all of the extra work that it takes to really be a winner. These are apparently, you know, he basically called out his guys for coming into practice and then going home and not doing the extra work, not studying their assignments and and figuring out what it is that they're supposed to be doing and learning their schemes. So what's happening is that you're getting to Sundays and you got guys that are making mental mistakes and that's one of the problems. And, you know, if that is something, if that is in fact the issue, maybe what you're looking at for the rest of the season is figuring out exactly who are the guys that you need to have around and who are the guys you got to get rid of. And you've got to take stock of it that way and use this season as your opportunity to do it. Because listen, once Tannehill went out, you weren't going to the Super Bowl. I'm not convinced you were going to the Super Bowl with him 
this year. Uh, as soon as he was gone, the Super Bowl was out the window. <laughs> the Super Bowl hasn't been in the window. Well, I, I'm I'm just saying, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at it from that from the most <laughs> optimistic perspective, I I don't think any optimistic Dolphin fan thought that the Super Bowl was a, re- a realistic possibility coming. I, I think when they said win now, they were thinking let's win a playoff game. Right. And you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's, it's a far fetched chance, but it is something that they may have an opportunity to do. And all you can do right now as an organization in the middle of the season, although I think you could make the decision as to whether or not you actually want to pay Jarvis Landry. And if you don't want to pay him, I think you need to. Oh, well, that's a decision that, well, you think that they should trade him? Well, listen, if if you're not going to pay him, you're losing him for nothing. Well, they could franchise him. Yeah, well, it's it's a possibility. But at any rate, at any rate, I think all you can do at this point is you just got to take it week in, week out and see what you can do. And do do the best that you can do with what you got. And that's what this Dolphins team is trying to do. And thus far, it has looked terrible the majority of the time. But somehow, the Miami Dolphins are 4-3 and three and right in the thick of things. And if you had told me at the beginning of the season, if you told me before Tannehill got hurt that the Dolphins would be 4-3 and three coming into this Sunday night game against the Raiders, I'd have been pretty happy about that. You know, if you'd have told me that the Dolphins were four and three coming into this Sunday night game against the Raiders, I'd have said, "Yeah, it sounds about right." Yeah, it sounds it it sounds about right. <laughs> it sounds about right. This is if you'd have told me at the end of the year that they were eight and eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Do, so, I mean, that's the question: Is this a Dolphin team that is going to the playoffs, or is it a Dolphin team that is just moving like a steam train to a seven and nine, eight and eight, or nine and seven record? The answer. At this point, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know you were going to answer your own question, or if you were asking me, or if this was like a. I was. I was saying it. Rhetorical question. It's more rhetorical than anything. The fact of the matter is, as you look at the season as a whole, the way to look at it is that this football team is the same old Dolphins. Brain, tell the people where they can find you can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain and writing on DolphinsReport.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. Don't forget, you can always follow the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. We'd love to chat with you and hear all of your hot takes. I'd love to ask everybody what their hot takes are every Sunday right before the game starts. Uh, most of the time, people are very, very optimistic so I, I will look forward to uh, everybody's hot takes before the Oakland game this Sunday. Uh, you could also download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can follow us on SoundCloud. Put us in your downcast. Put us in your Stitcher, whatever whatever podcatcher you use. Make sure you're, you're uh, following us. And make sure you leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Uh, we wa- want to hear your opinion. want to hear how we're doing. All of your thoughts matter to us. We will be back later this week, hopefully together, to do a preview of this big, uh, what turns out to be a pretty big Sunday night game between the Dolphins and the Raiders. So we'll be back later this week to talk about it. But until then, for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Go Dolphins!